Josh McCormick. How the hell are you? <laughs> I'm doing good. It's so good to hear your voice again, Paul. I yep. missed you on the last one. Absolutely, man. Yeah, so disappointing. Uh, I wasn't available yeah. to jump in. I know Chris stepped up. Did. It was sure the did. the best interview we had. Uh, yeah, Josh, no, it Josh, absolutely Josh, was. back me up on this, right. man. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> Don't leave me hanging. Um, Josh, we, we got a chance to talk to you about going to King of the Streets. And at the time, I remember uh, listening back to the interview, there was a lot of reflection on what 2020 looked like and what the changes were going to be going into 2021. And obviously a lot of our listeners have been following your YouTube channel. Can you just give us like a quick recap of kind of where you, what last year looked like, and then give us the rundown, man. We all know you, you crushed it. You came home with the win uh, for the all truck challenge, but walk us through it. What was it like? Um, so last year was pretty rough. Uh, we went, we just kind of had like a, the whole year was just band-aiding this one engine that we had. And we went into it um, with a with a strategy we thought would do pretty well. We didn't think we were going to drag race the best compared to some of those guys. Um, and we cracked the piston on day one. We in-framed it the night of day one. We were able to get a qualifying pass and then an elimination round pass. Um obviously we lost we lost the david petrick but whatever it's fine um so we inframed it we did the street drive we broke an injection line um so that took us out of the street drive we still didn't care and then we hit it on the dyno and um the dyno just we tried to make a big number because at that point like we knew we weren't even you know remotely close on point so we wanted to try and salvage it and um and ended up exploding the engine um, and then Sunday, I, I got a good sleep, and we just kind of helped uh, whoever needed parts at that point. We just kind of gave them off on truck and um, <laughs> kind of enjoyed the enjoyed the weekend. And then uh, went from competitor to, to donor overnight, huh? Yeah, insult <laughs> to injury on the way home, coming down uh, Eisenhower Pass, I lost the engine uh, connecting rod bolt broke on my tow truck and sent a rod out the side of the block. So it was just. Everything I owned at that point was broken, including my bank account. Fuck twenty twenty. Um, so yeah, so it was it was pretty rough. Um, Dude, like my dignity at this, that point would have been broken too. Yeah, <laughs> shit. So going uh, going into this year, it was like I'm older now than I was then, and uh, I just kind of after watching the competition, I thought I understood what was the right plan. And then after competing in there, I realized that that was not the right plan. Um, so this year we just went into it a little bit smarter. Um, and it helped. Sarah did make a rule change with, you could run heads up or bracket race. Um, and we just went into it a lot smarter this year. We had a fresh engine that was built extremely well. Um, actually if they watch my YouTube channel, you can watch the whole engine go together. We built that one, uh, built that one myself, had a industrial injection and precision diesel machine, uh, hooked it up on the machine work. They were able to get the block done for me in three days. So that was a huge thank you to them. And, uh, I appreciate it. Uh, price was a little steep though. So, you know, if, if they ever want room to improve that, that would be it right there. <laughs> um, but, uh, you know, you Guy know, gets this block done in three Shameless days. plug. And it's just <laughs> like, seriously, I want it cheaper next time, though. Yeah, no, I, I honestly, that, it was fair. I just, when uh, Tyler told me, I, I chuckled a little bit. But, um, <laughs> yeah, so so we built this engine, um, and it, it, it was full of goodies. You know, we, uh, we've we been teaming up a lot more with uh, uh, 
uh, Evan over at Diamond. Uh, he got us stuff with Pistons, Pins. Um, Austin over at Wagler has always, you know, helped us out, and he got us a set of rods. And um, the block actually came from somebody on Facebook. Uh, I bought it and had it shipped here, and then power bore sleeves. So we built a 6.4 liter Cummins, and I feel like it's the strongest way to build a 6.4. So there's many different ways to cut that cake, but we chose the 6.7 crankshaft with a stock length rod, um, and then we sleeved it down from 4.210 to 4.125. So four and an eighth, it leaves you with a 6.4 liter compression. and then we had, you know, cold cams, tappets, one of the power-driven diesel heads. Um, and it had a single 14 mil extra G, which still to this day, that's one of my favorite induction pumps. Uh, it's super capable. Um, we definitely backed up our 2K number again uh, with it on a single 14. Uh, we had dynamite diesel, came through clutch. They built us a set of injectors in like three days. So Lenny, Skyler, Matt, Chris, all those guys over there always, always take care of us. Um, and then it really, uh, Meyer, one of the guys I work with here, uh, really probably one of, one of my best friends, uh, built us a trans, uh, some of the things that we try, like in our own trucks, uh, don't always work out the best. So we kind of play around with it, but Meyer, uh, Meyer built the tranny for me. Um, cause I was building the engine at the time. Uh, and then the turbos, it was a force inductions, 480, 96 turbine with a 115 housing and a GT55 106-millimeter Garrett that uh, Tyler Kipp over at Industrial got us set up with. And then uh, I built those compounds. It's got a single wastegate off a Steed Speed uh, T4 manifold. And that was pretty much the setup that we had. I mean, everything, this was a cool year for me. Um, This was the first truck I'd ever tuned uh, by myself. So obviously, huge thank you to a couple people that want to remain nameless. because I couldn't have gotten there by myself, but uh, this truck we did tune ourselves, so it was kind of cool. Like we built the engine, we built the trans, we built the turbo setup, and then we ultimately tuned it. Um, We got it all together. We dyno tested it here at the shop. We street drove it here in Utah, and we kind of did some riffs on it, and everything checked out good. Lash didn't move around. Um, Everything everything worked really well. Uh, So we loaded it up on the trailer and set out on our, 32-hour drive to Ohio, um, which, I mean, it goes quick, I guess, when you're nervous. And we got there <laughs> Thursday, yeah, got there Thursday and unloaded, kind of got to hang out with everybody. I always enjoy meeting with Sarah and Matt Chapman, the guys that run this event. They're such great people, and all their crew is uh, incredible. They're, they're always really good. And, uh, yeah, I can't say enough good about them and the event. Um and then we got Gordon out there and basically rented a tent. So it was me, Gordon, uh, David, and then my boss, one of the owners of Power Driven, came out with his daily driver truck too. And we just kind of had this tent of people. And it's always like a family reunion out there with them because we do like UCC and King of the Street or All Truck Challenge with them all the time. And, it, and it's always fun. That's uh, awesome. And we just talk strategy. So we went into this event just kind of trying to play it more safe and trying to shoot for the moon on everything is really that was the plan we wanted to take the best that we could make ourselves and see how it stacked up uh on the other side of the country so a, a couple things here josh let's backtrack just a tad and let's let's talk about your 2021 year 
Okay, so in prior years of competing, you had an 05 truck. Uh, there was a lot of stuff that you did getting that truck prepared for UCC 2021. Things didn't shape up the way that you were hoping for. And then after that, the 06 truck that you ended up competing with, or 07 truck, whatever, your, your Silver Crew Cab, you started making a lot of strides in that truck. You know, you were doing stock appearing turbos on the dyno. You were making some crazy power there, doing different compound setups, different single turbo setups. And the truck was just staying together, taking the abuse, and you weren't shelling engines, right? The, the truck wasn't completely burning up. The, the truck was staying together. Uh, do you think that over the course of 2021 and having the good luck, I'll call it luck, with the, the Silver Crew Cab, did that give you more confidence going into this event? I mean, in all reality, after 2020, uh, King of the Street and everything I owned at that point was broken, I was pretty much ready to like not do this anymore. Um, and then I started that YouTube channel and that silver truck. I mean, I got to experience stock power, 600, 700, 800, all the way up to 2000 with it. And um, it definitely just kind of rekindled the spirit that I think I had lost after getting my stuff pushed in for the past couple of years. Um, <laughs> so politely worded. But, uh, <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, how else do you word it? Like yeah. I don't ever try to hide the things that happen or fail on stuff. And like we had been taking L's for quite a while. So um, yeah, I, I think, I think we learned a lot over it. Um, I certainly learned a lot more about nitrous throughout it how to keep turbo setups happy. Um, we tried some different stuff with engine builds, um, some stuff that people hadn't tried. Like I, I don't want to say anything inaccurate, but I believe with the 19 pistons that we had in that old engine, I don't think anybody has made 2000 horse with those yet. So it was kind of cool to try that out. And I remember opening the box and the wrist pins weren't the same size as everything else I'd ever done in my entire life. And I was like, Oh, <laughs> so we had, we had to kind of make all a lot of stuff work, but, um, it was just cool. I mean, when you try to get back up on the horse and there's all the companies that were right there with you when you fell the first time that are right back there to pick you back up, it, uh, keeps you going good. And yeah, we had a great year. We went to, um, Montana won I think three dyno classes and came in second in the sled pole. Then we went to Idaho and won three classes, uh, again, and uh, it was all good. And then we had, I had a lot of family stuff going on in the background. So I kind of didn't do a ton in like the late summer. Uh, and then for us, like our season ends with all truck challenge. So I, I think just having good success and learning um, and kind of just figuring it out on my own. Like mm -hmm. not that people don't give good advice or anything like that, but if you get advice from X, Y, Z, Sometimes it doesn't all jive. Sometimes, you know, you just got to kind of figure it out. And I feel like that's really what my team and I did the whole year is we just figured out what worked, what didn't work, and we just kept moving on. I love that because I, I saw something here where, where, like you said, you guys had the challenges, and it does definitely get easy to get to that, that quitting point of like, you know what, I'm going to just drive a gas burner daily, fuck this. Like, well, he had no choice, everything was broken. It. Yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> we've, we've seen this before where it's hard to get back into it, but, but you got back into it, and I, I was interested to hear you say you decided to go conservative this year. Um, What's the difference? Like, if, if we're talking about like a day one where I believe you guys did heads up racing or bracket racing on day one, you were at the strip, right? 
Yeah, so for a conservative, like, um, you had a bracket. And I thought for sure Sarah was going to run, like, a 735 bracket. Like, everybody had to do that. Well, no, you just picked your dial-in time. Um, I chose a 8.28. So, super slow. Um, super slow for, made, for what your truck is, yeah. yeah. But but we made it through one round of elimination, and then I caught a red light against Robbie Garcia. But um, it was like one of those things. Like in my head, I'm like, yeah. And, and we've had meetings after, or not meetings, but group chats and stuff. And I do think that the drag race portion really changed a lot of people's strategies. And I talked to some of the competitors after the event had settled, and they were like, you know, you kind of picked the. At first, everyone thought we were just like stupid and we were scared but really it was like if i don't have to beat on this truck very hard to make it go down the drag strip um i'm not going to beat on this truck very hard like it doesn't it doesn't matter to me you know like ah, that's fine your truck's faster that's cool but like i made it through one round of elimination and it's all right. about you know the the average points throughout the event and uh i don't think i would have would have changed it for anything now the reason why we didn't do very good in the eliminations is the truck was very inconsistent at that power level because um, you're not leaving very hard. So the tr- if you pull on the throttle too hard and you snuff the chargers, like it, it's not always the best either. So it was the struggle. Like I talked about, the hardest thing for us was getting the drag race done, um, getting the drag race done because yeah. I knew it would be really hard to slow down that truck to <laughs> well, I mean- run a bracket. At the end of the day, it's about accumulating points and preserving yeah. that truck another day. You know, we're going to get into some of the other you know questions here with 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 the way the events were were kind of ran ran through or whatever. So, day one bracket racing, we get through that. What what did day two look like? Like what what did that day in general look like? And what so, was the thought process for that? So day one ended with a downpour. Um, so Sarah told us before we left, she's like, "Hey, it's going to be a street drive first thing in the morning." So. We pulled the radios off, put the street tires on, and um, that was it. Or no, actually, I did take the truck. I left the event to go put fuel in it, and so we drove it out there, um, put some fuel in it, drove back, got up for the street drive. Uh, I love sled pulling, so I wanted to be as close to 9,000 pounds as I possibly could, and um, we weighed 9,050 pounds, so I had myself... (laughs) Uh, I had myself, I had Meyer, I had Tessa, and I had Tyson. We just all, I figured it was easier to put a bunch of people in there versus a bunch of weight that I'd have to take out. So we loaded the truck up and we hit the street drive and uh, we had our own little kind of small group. It was me, uh, Gordon, David, uh, Todd, and then there was a couple of other stragglers. I couldn't really tell who was in our group. And then I, Justin Duffy joined our little group. Um, and we did our 100-mile street drive, and honestly, it was just fun. Like, we had the radio on. Um, I, I personally had my seat heater on because I, I enjoy some first-world comforts. And <laughs> we we did the street drive, and it was totally different this year. Like, one of the reasons why we played it more conservative is we ran a 5.9 uh, rail on the engine. We didn't run a 6.7 rail. 6.7 um, rails are great, I think. At higher power levels, they definitely inject or get more fuel to the injector. There's no doubt there. But for that challenge, when you have these big CP3 pumps, I I, I tend to break a lot of lines. Now, maybe I just suck at installing them or what, but I've never had good luck with a 6.7 rail lasting on the street. So 
that was one of the ways we played a conservative. We put a five nine rail on it. I went through the whole street drive. Wasn't nervous at all. Actually, I wasn't nervous, but for other reasons. <laughs> and uh, you know, we got our street drive done, and I felt great. Uh, and then the next event was sled pull. So my favorite event. We got all the stuff bolted on. Got the truck locked out. Um, full weight duels on the rear. Um, and then we because Sarah runs a twenty inch hitch height when you jack them up that high and you run a hidden hitch behind the license plate, uh, most off the shelf pulling hitches don't fit. So, uh, pedaled in a metal Andy over there made us a 16 inch drop hitch. Um, <laughs> oh, wow. For, for the event. So if, if I haven't done the YouTube video yet, but maybe it'll be up by the time you guys get this broadcasted, but, uh, huge thank you to him. He, uh, UPS lost half of it. It fell out of the box, and he actually had a good customer at his gym bring it down and hand deliver me the part that fell out. So uh, we got that in there. Um, we go through sled pull tech, everything's good. I get set for my first hook, kind of read the track, and everything was going good. The engine hit like 6,250 RPM, and I was like, crap. I grabbed, o- yeah, I grabbed overdrive. Um, and this is probably in the first hundred feet grabbed overdrive. And as soon as I hit overdrive, you heard this big boom and a bunch of white smoke and everybody's like, Oh, the turbo blew. And in my head, I'm like, dude, it's a GT 55. Like unless somebody shot it from the sidelines, there's no way we just hurt this turbo. So I popped the hood, the boots blown. I'm like, whatever, no problem. Um, he's like, Oh, do you want to tug it off the track? And I was like, for the love of God, please do not embarrass me any more than I've already embarrassed myself for the last three years. I will drive this off the track. <laughs> um, so, so we ended up with like a 200 foot pole and we get it back to the pit. We're changing the boot. We get the boot changed. We go to start the truck, chuckle and start. And I'm like, Oh my God, like what happened? We looked when the boot blew, it ripped the battery ground cable out of the terminal end on the block. So we get that fixed. We get into the lanes uh, and I'm like, all right, I know what I'm going to do. Uh, I looked at the tune up. We made a couple of rev limiter changes. Um, and I hooked it back to the sled and we were gone. Uh, I, I went down the track in third gear locked up with 210 or 110 jets with nitrous on it. Um, and that thing went 385 feet. I think the only, yeah, the only guy that beat us that night was Bubby Payne. He went 388. Um, so we were right there at the end of the field. Um, and it felt so good. Like, honestly, I, I don't remember if I teared up or not, but I know that was the first time sled pulling we'd ever actually done something cool with that setup that I've had for probably three years now. <laughs> um, so it felt, it felt fan freaking tastic to, to actually sled pull well. And, um, we ended up with like 490 points from that. And I went into, uh, that night, Gordon had an engine that got too hot and lost compression. So we're trying to deal with that. And, uh, yeah, that's kind of how that night ended. We pulled Gordon's engine out. and We planned on putting my spare engine in. And we got to talking the 500 points that he'd lose. And at this point, like, I can usually push through a lot of stuff. I was exhausted. Um, and so it was pretty much everyone that could help us do it. Um, and I looked at Gordon and I was like, Hey, well, make sure your truck runs and puts on the trailer. But I was like, I, I just, I don't think we can finish. Um, so unfortunately Gordon was kind of out and, uh, I feel bad about it. 
Uh, I really do. I just, I, I think somebody would have gotten hurt if we would have kept working at the rate of like how tired we were. Yeah. Um, so we rolled into the next day, at, uh, dirt drags. Um, all we had to do was we took the rear duels off. So we ran a single rear wheel dually ax, uh, tire. It looked really kind of stupid actually, if you see it in pictures, but, <laughs> um, we took the lockouts out and went to the dirt drag. We did two qualifying passes. Uh, I ended up as the number four qualifier. I believe Ben Francis uh, was faster. Justin Duffy and Chris Patterson were all ahead of us. Um, but it wasn't that much of a time difference. Like, we were actually all pretty tight. Uh, and I don't know what it is about dirt tracks, but I, I usually do good on them. Like, it's not something I practice. I've done it three times, and I've ended up winning all three times. So I don't, I don't know. Uh, <laughs> but... Uh, we went through the elimination bracket. Uh, I had a first round bye. The second round, I drew David Petrick, and he returned the favor from 2020. Uh, he was kind of broke. His converter had locked up on him. Um, so we both kind of putts down there, and being the total a-hole that David usually is, he kind of blipped the throttle, and I thought for a second maybe he had lied to me this whole time. <laughs> so then I kind of pedaled it a little bit harder. I was like, no, not today. Um and then our next round, we had Tim Mahoney, and Tim and I both left like bath out of hell. And I went across the finish line, probably at like a 30-degree angle, and I could not stop. I actually ended up going down the hill into the – there wasn't any water there, but it used this to be year. a pond. Yeah, that's what yeah. Tim was saying. Yep, yep. <laughs> yeah, and um, so we got that win. Uh, then we go back up, and I drew, I believe – it was Brad Daniel and a blue six-four power stroke, and I was sleeping on the light. Luckily for he, or luckily for me, his wastegates like blew open, so we were able to get around him. Um, that was pretty awesome. Not gonna lie, I thought we lost for sure, and I almost pedaled it. And I was like, you know what? I didn't come this far to not at least finish it. So, luckily for me, I floored it, and we were able to get around him. Um, and then I know I'm gonna forget around for sure but then in the finals we had joey adelman uh duramax and i cut the best tree i had had all weekend um and we were able to get around him to get the win for the dirt track so we got the 500 points there and uh it felt really good and i woke up saturday morning in like eighth or sunday morning in like ninth place but then two trucks ahead of me were broken so i was in seven we left the dirt drags and I was in first place by uh, 20 points. Oh my um, God. So I was like, holy crap. Like, what? A, yeah, exactly. You know, you're like, dang, dude, you know? Um, so then we go on the dyno and the dyno was you went in order that you got eliminated in the dirt drag. And uh, my YouTube channel actually sponsored the dyno for this event. And I told Sarah, I was like, yeah, I'd really just like to be last. Like, I kind of need to know what I want to make. And not only that, I like procrastinating till the end and i honestly <laughs> thought um chris patterson was 30 points behind us in second place or no so it was chris it, i had a 20 point lead over justin duffy and mcgowan and then i had a 30 point lead over chris patterson and i'm not smack talking any competitor but the cummins tends to do really well on the dyno so justin duffy's setup i felt like wasn't going to be a 2000 horse truck. I mean, he still did fantastic at 1700 and that is nothing to be ashamed of. But like in my head, I'm like, Chris Patterson can make up some huge ground on this dyno. Um, so I watched everyone compete 
And I don't think anybody broke and everybody was putting up great numbers. I know like uh, Tiffany did like a thousand horse on a stock bottom in. I know Todd did like 1400 uh, and Justin Duffy did like 1700. Uh, Brad Daniel did like 1200 with a hurt trans. So it was like really cool. Everybody was doing great. Um, and then they had the last three trucks. So it was David Patrick, then Chris Patterson and then me. So at this point, Ben Francis, who also had a pretty good weekend, he had a tough break on the sled pull, or else I think he would have been right up there with us in the top three. Um, he did 21.63, so he was in first. And then Steve Giordano did 2,033 or 23, somewhere somewhere in that range, which huge congrats to him too. I know he's been searching for that number for a while. Uh, and then I'm like, okay, so I have to be in third place on the dyno. So right now I needed like 2,000 horse to, to do it. Um, and then David Petrick goes up there with the Hurt Trans. He only does, I think, 17 or 1,800. So I'm like, okay, this is still doable. Then Chris Patterson and his just big nut swinging energy, right, goes up there, <laughs> two, two and three, 2,400 and something horsepower. And I'm like, good God. So I'm looking at the tune-up in the laptop and uh, had some help getting it dialed in, and we were confident. And then he, and then somebody's like, oh, that was only tune three. I was like, get out of town. Then he clicks tune five, and, I mean, in my mind, first guy to ever do 3,000 horsepower on chassis now, and I think he did like 3,089. Um, and I, congratulations to him again. Like, I stopped after my dyno pull shook his hand you know just like congrats dude he's been working on that forever and he's a lot like me a lot of self-built stuff so i know it really meant the world to him um and it's quite unfortunate uh how it was received on the internet but at the end of the day he's got the dyno sheet and uh he did it you know congrats to him and and his team but uh he smacks that number and i'm like okay so chris is in first place with no one touching him at three thousand plus horsepower <laughs> ben Ben Francis is at 2183 or 63 and Steve Giordano's at 2030 or something like there. So I'm like, okay, I have to be in third. I got to make like 2050 horsepower. So I get strapped down the dyno and Rob, uh, the dyno owner is like, I was like, Hey, you remember me? He's like, yeah, you're the guy that like exploded last year. And I was like, well, same thing could happen. Um, Let's make sure everybody's back. Everybody backed up, and uh, the Smoke and Speed crew were great. The three, me, David, and Chris, like, we were kind of all in the same boat. Like, we're not going to dyno if people are standing too close. Like, we don't need a repeat of UCC. Yeah. Um, so they got everybody back. Uh, and I had everything I had loaded up in it, and we just had a, a more conservative nitrous setup than normal. We had a 99 jet, or maybe it was an 88, 88 or 99, and a 136. Um, cause remember I said before we went, we took nitrous off downsized the solenoid. So really the 136 was only like a 125, but we only had two kits of nitrous on the trucks. I get it loaded up, smack the two kits, the rollers calmed down and it was 21, 23. And I remember like smiling a little bit and then Sarah walks over and Sarah and Matt and I was like, okay, can we just double check the points real quick? make sure that like i got it like if not i'm gonna i'm gonna load in this other tune that was even more dangerous and i will try it again but i was like i i didn't know if i had to beat ben or if i was good in the third um they ran the numbers we verified that our team had won uh first place get unstrapped off the dyno uh drove over congratulated chris 
Um, and then I'm not going to lie. I drove over and I called my wife and told her the news and I kind of just sat in my truck for about five minutes and, uh, it just felt crazy to me that we had won. Like I didn't feel like we did anything spectacular that whole weekend other than we were just consistent. And I know everyone said it, but like, that's all we did. Like we had 460 points in the drag race. We had 330 on the first sled pull, 490 on the second sled pull, 1,000 on the street drive, 470 on dirt drag, qualifying 500 on dirt drag, 480 on the dyno. Like we only won one event, and we were just just consistently good. Um, you know, and everybody, everyone had some rough breaks. I know David hurt the trans twice. Chris broke axles. Todd destroyed his pace. Uh, Tiffany broke an output shaft. And there was just breakage everywhere, and we blew that boot that really killed us in the sled pole. But, um, you know, I just I, – I think Ben had some tranny troubles too. Like, everyone had their problems. It was just how you dealt with them and how fast you could get them fixed. And if you could even get them fixed, then uh, we came out on top, and it, it felt really good to just finally – win you know what i mean i think you know as, so cool. as you're going through this whole you know weekend experience you know in my head uh as you're as you're telling us this every day was a success every day was an obstacle that you were able to overcome because in years past you know you you've had these objectives that you weren't able to you know uh, complete what do you think about the dino event in the sense of that being the last event in this competition where last year it wasn't necessarily the case do you think that that was kind of a saving grace for a lot of guys and that changed the strategy including yours um i don't honestly like i don't want to sound like arrogant but it really didn't change our strategy the only thing it did change is i put about another 200 horse in the truck um but i wasn't worried because it was the last event so i guess it kind of changed a little bit but like we kind of stuck to our plan the whole weekend um I think if Sarah did it again, I think the dyno being last was fine. Um, I think the sled pole really kind of shook things up. I think the sled pole being where it was, that broke more trucks than anything else. Um, and I, I think, like, some of the guys, I, I don't know, man, it was almost kind of like a mind game because I remember after my first pole, I was like, really down in the dumps and i was like you know what? let's just kick it let's just kill it on the second one but some guys just didn't have good luck and i almost wonder if that kind of like carried into the dirt drag um or they broke on the sled pole so they were up all night and that hurt them in dirt drag so i actually i really don't think i don't think it mattered much because nobody broke on the dyno i, I at least to my knowledge i don't think a single truck broke so Again, I, I don't know if it would have stacked up differently, but for us, it it didn't seem to really matter that much. You know, it's interesting where people have been breaking from year to year. If yeah. you if you look over like what's been the most detrimental, two years ago the street drive took out more people than the dirt drags. Um, yeah, took out more people than right. sled poles. To be honest with you, I think now guys are looking at their trucks and like you had mentioned, like making some small but custom modifications for the street drive. Subtle. It's not as easy as just swapping tires. If your truck can't handle driving 65 miles an hour for 100 miles consistently. Right. Yeah. No, I don't think we lost a truck in the street drive this year. I think everyone finished. That's awesome. Um, now, So, yeah, I think, I think the competition level has changed quite a bit. Just 
versus spectating versus competing last year versus this year, like you have these like silent stalkers like hanging around. Like a prime example of that is like Tim's truck or my boss's truck. They weren't like superstar trucks, but they were that thousand to fourteen hundred horsepower that just kind of. 450 450 450 you know the whole weekend long like tim i think was in second place or third place uh going into the dirt drags like and yeah. it <clears throat> again the, the truck that won i didn't win the dyno now granted i think the dyno threshold has been moved quite a bit by that texas team but like i mean a year ago i would have been in second on the dyno the year before that i would have been in first on the dyno with the number i had but um it was definitely interesting to see all the different teams and uh it was cool like we had this big tent and we were up more by the sled pull cash days um that's kind of where david and i like to be because we have a lot of friends that are sled pullers and stuff um and david's crew always just like all of them uh peabody you got uh casey you got steve burton and um dusty johnny like all these guys that just we we grabbed this area and we had about a hundred feet to park trucks to the gate and all these guys like campers and pole trucks and all these people just showed up and it was like a huge just get together and um it was a lot of fun like uh i think my favorite part of the competition and not to be corny was saturday night we were in the tent and like justin duffy's team was there and we had um just a bunch of competitors there and then my whole crew and david's crew we brought like this fire pit inside the tent and just everyone was having such a good time and it, i remember like going over to um shad and just being like this is what it's really all about like just having all those people together it was awesome absolutely that that culture matters yeah. and, and one thing that i wonder about the culture is is at this event compared to maybe some of the others throughout the throughout the year is that we have a, a pretty good mix between shop owners, enthusiasts, high horsepower, low horsepower. I mean, we yep. interviewed two guys that were knowing that they were showing up with 500 horsepower trucks. Right. How do you feel about them being in the competition? Do you feel like like this is the place, this is the right competition? Should there be a bracket for the lower horsepower guys so that they're actually competing? Is How, how do you see this? I mean, personally, like if you think you have what it takes and you're willing to do the drive to get there, and you have whatever, like, absolutely. Like, I know Jack Cordero, I might be saying his last name wrong, but Jack Cordero bought a very mild Duramax. It still had, like, forces on it. It was a beautiful – I remember telling him, I was like, dude, that's a beautiful truck, you know. Um, and absolutely. I mean, I mean, it's the all-truck challenge, not the how-much-do-you-want-to-spend challenge, not the 2,000-horsepower challenge, not the third-gen Ram challenge. Like, they're – there's always room for people. And I mean, I listen to all of the podcasts on the way out there and you know, these people are nervous and that, and I, I get it. Like I got nervous going there and all these people that said like me or David or Ben and stuff being in the top three, like that's a little bit, it's almost weird. Cause like on the other side of it, they're like, Oh, you know, it'll be a cakewalk for these guys. And on the other side of it, I'm like, damn, like all these people expect me to perform really well. Like I try to bring my A game, you know, <laughs> but uh, I, I don't, I don't see why they can't. I, I mean, I, I'm all for it. I, I mean, I'd love to see 60 trucks next year. You know what I mean? Like, absolutely. The more the merrier. And uh, I, I always try to, I'm, I mean, one of the big things that we always do is we bring a ton of extra parts and. Um, I know for like, we helped a few teams, teams that could have beat us. Like 
we just wanted to make sure everyone had a good weekend. Like that was what this was all about. Like last year was miserable. This year we wanted the tent and we got a nicer hotel and we got all the nice food and Gordon cooked for us. And it was just all about like the whole experience being positive for everyone. I don't so, like this guy being out here on vacation and winning. You don't get to have fun and win. We know how this shit works. What, John, I mean, full disclosure, Paul, full disclosure, I checked my oil twice. For the I record. I checked my transmission line pressure a couple times. I checked my torque converter bolts, and I changed tires. And, and oh, and I fixed the intercooler boot and that battery positive. That doesn't sound like a vacation cable, to me, Paul. I, <laughs> I did not. I mean, Friday night, I guess I helped David quite a bit, so... Meyer got David's training kind of done and then I walked in and finished it so Meyer could fix Todd's transmission. So like in our team, like there was still a lot of work to be done. It was just, it wasn't my truck this time, which was extremely strange. Um, <laughs> yeah. So what, what does this look like for years to come? You know, you, you definitely came to, you know, all truck challenge 2021, uh, with, with vengeance, right. And you were able to check a lot of boxes in my opinion, yeah. you stayed together, you, you won the event, you know, hats off to you. Do you do this again next year? What's 2022 oh, look like? So. Without a doubt. Okay. <laughs> Absolutely. Are you um, also going to try UCC again next year? I mean, yeah, probably. I, I, <laughs> I mean, we'll, we'll see how the cards stack up. Um, but, I, I mean, I, I'd love to go to UCC. I know uh, it, it'd be a lot of fun. Um, well, I don't know fun, but, I mean, now that – now that I've won all truck challenge, you kind of are looking at it like, absolutely. We're going to come back and try to back up the defend the title, you know? Um, but I certainly am looking forward to ultimate call challenge. And I think, I think this weekend was good for not only myself and my family, but also my team just seeing like, Hey, we can do this. Sometimes it doesn't always go our way, but like we do have what it takes to, I mean, I, in my opinion, All Truck Challenge is like the second hardest competition. And honestly, it's in some ways harder than UCC because UCC, you run one drag strip pass. I mean, if everything goes right for UCC, you start the truck three times. One drag strip pass, one sled pull rip, one dyno rip. And in All Truck Challenge, you're going rounds and dirt dragging, bracket racing, heads up racing, the street drive. So they're both different in different ways. I definitely have had a lot rougher time with uh, King of the street, all truck challenge than I did at UCC. Cause UCC, I can swap an engine and not lose points. And we're working on asphalt pits and not grass and mulch and all this stuff. Like there's so many things that change the adversity of each competition. Like all truck challenge is like cold as balls. And UCC <laughs> was like, I was dumping water in my fire suit. So I didn't overheat. Um, so they're they're both different. Um, I don't. We're definitely not going to put a cage in the 07 to go to All Truck Challenge. I think we're just gonna. Uh, we got a little surprise coming up, and you guys will just have to wait. But uh, we got something for UCC, and I think I think we can do really well as long as we just not give up. Cool. I love that. That's so cool, man. Josh, it's always such a pleasure to have you on the show, and and I know Chris and I both want to say congratulations. Yeah, congratulations. Thank you, I mean. Guys. I can't say enough, man, you know, following you, especially with your YouTube stuff, you know, seeing all the viral videos of turbo explosions and fires and everything else. It, it's got to be tough at the end of 2020 to pick yourself up the way you do and, uh, you know, have that comeback in 2021. So, you know, well-deserved, man. Yeah. I, I mean, like, shouldn't do it. 
without a lot of people. Um, obviously, like my wife puts up with all the away time and the money side of stuff. And my kids obviously don't always get all the dad time that they probably deserve. And I got Meyer and Shad um, that always helped me. Jeremy Little helped me a lot this year too. Um, Tessa came with us. And a lot of the guys, like Shad doesn't even work at Power Driven anymore. He took his own personal vacation um, to come out there. And Meyer and Tessa took vacation to come out there. And then my bosses for giving me the time, extra vacation to go out there. Um, and then just all the companies, man, like Gordon, uh, GL tuning, like obviously he can't do everything right now, but he's still like one of my best friends and a good mentor of mine. Uh, I've been with him for years. Uh, DDP was great. Um, they've been solid for me. I think I've been with them six or seven years now. Uh, fluid damper, always making sure taken care of, uh, Waggler, uh, armor Inc. Uh, industrial was really helpful, especially, uh, this year, um, getting us some of the parts that we needed on a quick turnaround time. Uh, Trevor Manton stuff's great over at Manton Push Rods. Um, Armor Inc. Uh, again, like Donovan and Lenny, I've always really looked up to those guys. And uh, I, I try to emulate what they've done for the industry. Um, Pedal to the Metal Hitches was, was fantastic. Uh, I couldn't have done the hitch height without Andy, so huge thank you to him. And uh, uh, Air Dog CJ's always got us you know, ready to go. And uh, just a lot of good people around me. You know, it's always good to to have uh, to have the win, and it, it felt felt pretty damn good this year for sure. Awesome. Absolutely. Uh, Josh, thank you so much for joining our listeners on the show. Listeners, jump over to Josh's YouTube channel. Check it out. We'll have a link uh, in the description of today's show. Stick around. we got more Diesel Performance Podcast coming at you right after a word from our sponsors. Upgrade the factory transmission oil cooler in your truck with the XDP Extra Cool Direct Fit Transmission Oil Cooler. The XDP Extra Cool Direct Fit Transmission Oil Coolers provide you with an upgraded bolt-on design. Each transmission cooler is built with a high efficiency core to maximize cooling. Designed as a direct fit replacement, this transmission cooler comes ready to install with all the brackets, hardware, and accessories needed for installation. To find out more about the XDP Extra Cool Direct Fit Transmission Oil Coolers, check out xdp.com or find a local dealer near you. What is Worley Custom Fabs, Thermostat Bypass Valve, and why is it an important upgrade for your 2017 to 2019 L5P Duramax? 2017 to 2019 L5P Duramax trucks feature a unique thermostat assembly for the Allison transmission, which allows fluid to bypass the auxiliary cooler and use engine heat in the radiator coolant to reach ideal operating temps more quickly in cold weather. When the desired temperature is reached, the thermostat is supposed to open and allow fluid to flow forward into the auxiliary cooler, which helps maintain transmission fluid temperatures at a safe level. Now the issue, this thermostat is prone to get stuck closed. So when the fluid gets hot and reaches the point that it needs to be cooled via the auxiliary cooler, the fluid is instead bypassed by the closed thermostat and returned to the transmission uncooled. Hotter fluid breaks down quicker, which leads to poor fluid performance and potentially premature damage and shortened transmission life. 
If you tow with your truck or live in a warm climate, this bypass plug is a must. Whether your truck is a daily driver, work truck, tow rig, or competition race truck, this is an issue that plagues all 17 to 19 L5Ps. When running one of WC Fab's shop trucks at the drag strip, they noticed temperatures reaching the unsafe zone. After some investigation, they found the auxiliary cooler up front was cool to the touch. The hot fluid was not making its way to the cooler. Upon further research, they found that even factory stock trucks were experiencing the same issue. With this discovery, the thermostat bypass plug was born. The CAD-designed, CNC-machined, anodized billet aluminum bypass plug requires a simple 15-minute installation. WC Fab has been building high-performance transmissions for the L5P platform for many years now and immediately started including this made-in-the-USA piece with every transmission that they build. Tested in-house on both their shop trucks and customer trucks, the Transmission Cooler Thermostat Bypass Plug for 2017 to 2019 L5P Duramax trucks can drop the fluid temperature from 15 to 50 degrees Fahrenheit by reducing fluid flow restriction to the trans cooler. The Exergy Performance Fuel System Saver works. If you have a CP4 equipped fuel pump, which is commonly found on the 2011 to 2016 LML Duramax, and also the uh, early 6.7 liter Ford Power Stroke engine, they're known for failure, period. Now, most of the time, if you put a lift pump on the truck, you'll prevent a lot of the potential failures. If you do regular maintenance, you can help help prevent the potential failures. But at the end of the day, there's still a risk that no matter what you do, that CP4 could fail. And when they fail, they have a track record for sending all of the metal shavings downstream. So you end up needing a whole new fuel system, new lines, new injectors, new tubes, new everything. That could be very expensive. Even if you're under warranty or you find a bundle package for a great price, there's still a lot of labor that goes into that, that job. The fuel system saver increases the amount of protection post CP4. So it's not gonna stop your CP4 from failing. What it's gonna do is that God forbid the CP4 gives up and it starts to send metal debris through the truck, it's gonna stop it before it hits the rest of your fuel system. And that's why they call it the fuel system saver. If you have a CP4 pump on your truck, you absolutely need to give DuramaxTuner.com a call today and get yourself a fuel system saver. Guys, we're here with our favorite shop tech, our super tech, Jeremy Garnett. Jeremy, how the hell are you? I'm good. How are you? Doing good, man. Thanks for asking. Uh, Jeremy, you've had this Hummer with the Duramax conversion in the shop all summer. Yeah, uh, going on a few months now. <laughs> <laughs> now, obviously, it's the it's the COVID times. We all know about parts, back orders, and, yes. and some different kind of fun things. We've talked about the brake situation you guys had on it, the yeah. working through all of that. Uh, but I see it looking more and more complete now. Yeah, uh, we'll dive into it more you know, with the next coming weeks and stuff like that. But I uh, just wanted to kind of give everybody a heads up of what where I'm at and what we've been doing to it a little bit. So. Yeah, man. Remind our listeners, give us a rundown of the project. Uh, the project is a 2005 H1 Hummer. Um, it's a civilian use one, so uh, it's got a really nice interior, uh, big tires. Um, customer purchased it a couple years ago, and he 
does not like the 6.5 that was in it. Uh, won't get out of its own <laughs> way. Um, in the 05, 6.5, it is a turbocharged motor. Okay. Uh, Non-intercooled, uh, just straight. Non-intercooled, turbocharged, 6.5. Yeah. Giant turd. Yeah, whopping, <laughs> what, 80, 180 horse? I mean, not a lot of fun. <laughs> so that truck came in, Was it was running when it came in, wasn't it? Yes. Uh, we towed it here because it had some a uh, couple front-end issues on yeah. it um, that we're doing with the conversion. Um, but, yeah, no, we drove it uh, in, drove it to the stall, and... Started tearing it apart. <laughs> so it came all the way down to the frame uh, and put a, a Duramax in there. Yep. We put an LBZ in it. Put an LBZ in it. Yep. Uh, built Allison. Yep. Okay. So so we got the, the driveline components done. What else What else have you worked on with it? Uh, well, with also doing the LBZ and the DT5 or 750 build, um, we went ahead and we put a set of 60 over injectors in it, a uh, 10 mil pump with uh, our st- Stealth 67 in the Valley. Fuck yeah. So, uh, 75800 capable? Yeah. I mean, all day? I mean, yeah, it'll be leaning on those injectors, but yeah. Yeah, it'll yeah be, for sure. Right, right, right. So, exactly. I mean, we didn't want to like give it all the beans, but uh, it is a built motor. Um, we did have a nice donor uh, okay. conversion that we started with, so, um, which is our old shop van, <laughs> <laughs> which was a nice conversion or, you know, set up for it, you know, right. Cause that came with the motor and everything. Uh, we had our engine builder go ahead and go through it and he did a beautiful job. Um, along with that, we went ahead and we started off with uh, doing all the suspension work. Um, so by doing a conversion, putting the motor in it, you have to put a three inch body lift in it. Um, with doing the three inch body lift, we went ahead and did uh, King shocks on it. Okay. So we did a King Shock set up with uh, new lower control arms and uh, a Willwood brake system. It looks nasty. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, this week here I actually uh, got the pleasure of uh, dropping the body back down on the frame because uh, I actually have the, now that I have the motor mounted, the trans mounted, uh, tra- new transfer case in it and everything, um, the wire and harness, standalone wire and harness all like kind of set in place, um, I was able to drop the body back on. Now that's a big project. That's that's one of those that like if you do a lot of like cab up Fords and things like that, yeah. you're like, oh no big deal. I drop bodies and lift bodies every day. <laughs> it's it's nothing. But but on the the O five H one, it's a big ass unibody. Like it's a big the whole thing's just one chunk. So like yeah. up and down and lining everything up. How many how many mounting bolts are we talking about what do you have to line up to get that thing to, um, to there's sit? actually only six mounting bolts on it that feels scary uh yeah <laughs> exactly <laughs> um but the problem we have on this is that the the body sits um if you've ever sat in a hummer before you sit in it yeah kind of like an um an old corvette like a 95 corvette right you, know, you sit in the car that's kind of what you do with a hummer as well um where the body sits around the frame because the frame is actually extremely narrow yeah. Um, and then the truck is so wide, but the frame is very narrow. Yeah, it's it's all body, man. It, it's it's, it's all literally, body. it's it's this cab is so wide. I do feel like you could reach out, like if you and somebody else were sitting shotgun, you could reach out and just barely touch hands. Right. Like it is, <laughs> you are far apart from each yeah, other. Yeah, I mean, so how, how I want to say it is like when you're actually sitting in the driver's seat, you're actually sitting on the outside of the frame rail. If that tells you... That's so crazy. When you're in the driver's seat, the passenger seat, you're on the outside of the frame rail. So you're not on top of them, you're outside of them. So um, that, if that tell, so if that tells you anything about dropping the body on how close and how hard it is. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Cause, well, because you also got the three-inch body lift to line up at the same time, exactly, right? Exactly, yeah. Ugh. Okay. 
Give us, how'd you get through it? So, uh, just inch by inch. <laughs> <laughs> so, dropping the body down, you just have to be very careful. Um, extra hands is, uh, you know, very helpful. Um, and then dropping the body down, you actually have to put one bolt in at a time. So, through the mount, through the actual washer, there's a big, huge metal washer, and then through the actual factory body mount. Yeah. So, you have to, there's three pieces you actually have to drop the new bolt through. And you have to do each one at a time because of the way that the body sits. Well, once you get one lined up, the other five are just, they're already sp- spotted, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah, you just go through and just <laughs> pop the bolt in. Uh, and then on the actual one on the right front, you actually have to take the mount off of the frame so the fr- so the body will actually slide down next to the frame. Oh, Jesus. And then you have to, so now that piece, you have five pieces to try to put together with putting the bolt through. Oh, my God. So, yeah, it was fun. Um, and again, today's pro tip, extra hands, man. Just, <laughs> <laughs> big thank you to Jaden in the shop for helping me. Yeah, yeah. Because, well, because it is, right? Because you, you're you're down there underneath the truck. The The frame is sitting on wheels on the ground, right. and the, the body is on the lift. Right. So as that lift is coming down, you're like, well, it's not. Listen, guys, like we're joking, but like it is not just going to line up perfect where you no. can go through by yourself. Drop it down. Okay, it's touching. Get under there and, and do a bolt. You you have to have a second person right. to do one. And of these. well, in this case too, is that it? Um, it's not like we just lifted the body up and the frame stayed there. Yeah. So we lifted the body up, did a set of injectors and stuff on it, and then we just lowered it back down. And it never moved. The frame didn't move. Right. Well, in this case here, I I had to rebuild the whole frame. <laughs> I had to redo all the shocks on it. I had to redo all the lower control arms on it. And then I actually had to, I moved the frame out from underneath of it and put it over in the corner for you know, a couple of weeks so I could actually do, start doing all the body work. Right. Cause then I, I had to, you know, I have to change shifters. I have to, again, you know, a couple of weeks we'll, we'll get into all this stuff, but there was a lot more than just <laughs> <laughs> lift it up, work on it and drop it exactly. down. What's the yeah, problem? Yeah. No, no, it's not. Of course it's not that simple. Right. But yeah, it was a, it's, it's definitely a project and I extremely glad I got, uh, you know, the body back on it. Cause that's a huge step. That's awesome, man. Sorry. Well, congratulations. I know this has been one for the books for you. Yeah. Um, you know, I've had the pleasure of building one before. Um, so this is fun, really fun building the second one. So. <laughs> I love to hear it. Well, thank you so much for joining us uh, today, No problem. Jeremy. Have a good day. Guys, stick around. we got more Diesel Performance Podcast coming at you right away. Folks, it's time to talk with our remote support expert, Sean Lynn. Sean, how the hell are you? Great. How are you, Paul? I'm doing good. Thanks for asking, buddy. Uh, um, Sean, we are going to sit down and discuss today fixing a problem for a customer. And that that's a lot of, well, that's all of what you do here at Turmax Tuner Calibrated Power is really being able to help guys who have had an issue or have an issue with a product they've purchased from us. Uh, and then they call in and you're well known for being able to help walk them through that over the phone and try to get to some sort of resolution. So hit me with it, man. What's the truck we're talking about today? Yeah, so we have a 2018 Cummins on our EasyLink tuning, of course. And the customer is telling us that his truck will randomly have some pretty bad dead pedal, like you put your foot on the pedal and nothing happens. Oof. It's very random, and it only happens in the morning for some reason. Okay, okay. Temperature-related? I guess it's temperature-related. I mean, that's the only thing that's different than when you're driving it normally, because it's hotter. (laughs) I don't know. Okay. Okay. Those are some odd symptoms. That's not a common call that you get, I would I would assume. Definitely not, especially when uh, we have a lot of people running very similar tuning on their trucks. Right. 
Right. Yeah, because it's an all-stock truck. It's running it tunes off of Easy Link, so uh, so we have really good visibility over who is running those and how many and yada yada. All right, man. So the symptom is that it's got a random dead pedal. What were your troubleshooting steps? So it's really hard to determine what actually causes this without a data log. So the first thing I requested was a data log, which we send over instructions so that you can log the right parameters. Okay. And then we took a look at it because it'll also show you check engine lights and such codes that nice. it's presenting during this log. Oh, nice. Okay. And that's that's using EasyLink. So you have your auto agent plugged into the OBD2 port and then you're com- kind of running it through the app on your phone. Yeah. And then... I just told him, of course, that we need to see the issue happen in this log. So if it happens first thing in the morning, get the truck started, start the log, and then drive the truck so we can see this actually happen. That's interesting. What kind of PIDs are you looking at when you review that log? What we were looking for, first of all, was was codes. He gave us one code which indicated a uh, turbo actuator communication loss. Oof. And he's got 150-some thousand miles on his truck, and the 6-7 trucks are known for having actuator issues around that time, so that was my first thought. Right. Um, we have logged turbo desired and turbo actual vane position, uh, the Cummins fuel control state, which is basically the truck telling you exactly what it's doing based on the running conditions. Okay. And we had him log... RPM, throttle input, just the basic stuff beyond that. Right. How'd it look, man? What'd the log look like? So looking at the logs, it was commanding a certain vein position, and obviously it didn't know what the actual was because there was uh, some kind of communication issue there. Sure. So based on the information we saw, it looked like there was definitely an actuator issue because the veins were not moving the way they should be. Oh, no. It's so common on these, man. And, and I always feel bad because they're awesome trucks. They have tons of power. They're great to use. But those actuators, those actuators just seem to go out, you know. And, and that's a, a genuine whole set part. That's the best option on the market is to have a whole set actuator. Any of the other aftermarket actuators I've ever tested, problematic to say the least. Okay. Uh, what was the resolution? You just kind of told them, like, hey, we got a bad actuator. Is he looking at a Stell 64? Yeah, he definitely wants to do some upgrades down the road for sure. And um, since he has to pretty much take this apart once, he might as well upgrade everything, right? That's it, man. Yeah, so many guys run into this where you got a bad actuator. You can replace the actuator. If you could find a whole set of actuator, you can replace the actuator. Uh, I've seen guys pull the whole turbo out and replace it with a stock turbo. I'm with you. We're here on Diesel Performance Podcast because replacing stuff with stock just doesn't make sense. Uh, And now that there is an actual direct bolt-on upgraded Stell 64 turbo for these trucks, it's kind of a no-brainer. You know, decide where you're going to go with that. Yeah, depending on where you buy the actuator from, you're probably at least a good chunk of the way there into <laughs> buying a better turbo. <laughs> That's right, and the labor's the same no matter what, right? So, so you're if you're paying somebody to do it, or even if you're thinking about paying yourself for your time, uh, yeah, it's a it's a good investment, no question. Absolutely, excellent. Well, that was a good one, Sean. Thank you so much for sharing. Thanks for having me, Paul. Listeners, stick around. We got more Diesel Performance Podcast coming at you in just a moment. 
All right, guys, here we are with industry news. Anthony Brunini, how you doing, man? Good, man. How are you? You know, I'm always excited. You know, you're kind of like the gossiper in the in the company now with uh, all the news and updates. So, uh, oh, yeah. what's been going on the last few weeks in the in the industry? So, last time we talked, uh, we kind of had a warm up to Rudy's event. Yeah, the yeah. Truck jam coming up. So that had passed. I've seen a lot of pictures, a lot of videos. They got the show and shine. They got the racing. Of course, everyone's in for. Um, and then Levon also posted kind of a, just a vlog yeah. of the whole event. Right. I mean, from what I've seen, it looked like a lot of fun. Okay, okay. Uh, that was about three weeks ago now, right? Mm-hmm. We've been uh, been straggling with this uh, with this part of the episode. So, um, since then, what else is uh, kind of uh, shaped up? So, a couple other things, just small stuffs I've seen here and there. Um, farm Truck and Asian from Street Outlaws. They've got, I mean, they've got the farm truck that they're known for. They've got like a little prison bus. It's all decked out. Yep. It looks cool. Um, they visited the guys over at Wagler, and yep. they had, I mean, friends, family, kids like that just took a ride around the prison bus, and they hung out to the park for, I believe, either a few hours or for the day. It's hard to not like those guys. I know. They you know they, they do stuff like that. They love what they're doing and they're having fun. Yeah, no, for sure. A um, couple other things. Um, one of my personal dealers, D-Max, out of California, they had something along the line similar to the truck jam. It's not as big. Okay. They have their own event out in California, dirt drag, sled pole, show and shine. Oh, I think sled. they had a burnout contest too. Okay. Um, so I saw a lot of pictures from them. I talked to the guys over there. They had a blast. It's California. It's great weather can't go wrong there yeah. um the shop foreman eric miller he's got a 15 lml with our easy link tuning so it's emissions equipped yeah right? emissions equipped okay. trucks fully emissions on he's got some other uh modifications all you know they all have eo numbers which is awesome glad to be a part of that with those guys um he placed first or he uh, he did first place in the exhibition class oh, it's an emissions on truck he was probably the only one in that class i mean there was like 10 15 trucks in that class i'm no, just joking <laughs> i'm just joking one of the cool things that i think about this industry is a lot of vendors they come up with newsletters every so often in basically new parts that are coming into the market um whirly custom fab right they yes. just came up with uh their updated newsletter with their new duramax manifolds yes for the l5p those have been long awaited yeah so a little background guys um whirly wc fab they offer a uh, one-piece cast manifold um it's it's basically the old steed speed manifold right that uh they were able to get their hands on and they're manufacturing now they came up with an agreement there um and they're a real slick piece yeah like they are definitely impressive so i i can't wait personally to see those on some trucks yeah those are going to look good and just perform awesome as oh, well absolutely um i mean other than that we had um our all truck challenge i think because yep. you did a lot of the interviewing we did some of the interviewing all truck challenge we had two trucks out there mm-hmm. um definitely it was uh from from the interviewees that we've had you know we have chris patterson three thousand horsepower officially on a chassis dyno nuts um our, our friend uh, Josh McCormack took first place. It was awesome to see that truck in uh, stay in one piece mm-hmm. <laughs> for the whole event. And, uh, you know, well-deserved to both those guys. You know, even though Chris Patterson didn't take first, I think he was the, the – he, he stole the show, you know, with that 3,000 horsepower. So it's, uh, it's nice to see, you know, those fall events kind of shape up and just really do some really crazy, crazy stuff and, you know, set what that next bar is going into spring for yeah. 2022. 
It seems like every time, too, when you go to these events or you hear, like, um, I mean, even at UCC, someone breaks down, like, the other guys in the event they're competing against, they're helping each other. Yeah, if, I mean, it's at the end of the day, you know, it's a close-knit family yeah. of all those guys that do compete. And, you know, we, we talk to so many guys on the show uh, that have such cool builds and that do compete at such a high level, and it's never just one person, right? Just the person driving the truck or a specific vehicle is owned by X person. It's not just that person that makes that possible. Exactly. So. You know, you see, it's a lot of collaborative efforts. Start with, wah, 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 like that, because he won. <laughs>